I'm Chris Campa. And I'm Sean Hills. The other day, Chris called me just to say one thing. <laughs> it's going to be a munchy weekend. What was that, Chris? It's going to be a munchy it's weekend. It's going to be a munchy weekend. This is Circle Takes. Munchie was released in 1992 in one theater and thereafter on home video. It's a sequel, but in name only, to 1987's Munchies, written by R.J. Robertson and Jim Wynorski, directed by Wynorski and produced by Mike Elliott. In it, Gage, a friendless tween outcast, dreams of a better life and discovers a wisecracking mystical creature named Munchie, voiced by Dom DeLuise, who takes the kid's wish fulfillment to a whole nother level. <laughs> yep that's uh that's that's pretty much it um uh i really want to dive into this one with you because um when we discussed who was going to say the the premise i'm really glad that you prepped something because at the end of the movie uh you know not to get out of order here um i don't know about you but i don't really know what it was about you know <laughs> like there what is the premise you know i felt i i had ideas on what it should be but um uh, we're going to jump into that. Um, That's a good point. And I actually uh, focus on that in my director's corner a little bit. What is it about with a capital A? Exactly. Um, so uh, why it's known or why it's not known um, in, in the structure of our uh, little thing that we're doing here. Um, you know, we decided to come at this from a potential different um, age watching perspectives, uh, you know, Sean and I are a few years apart, but not too distant. I think we can both consider ourselves uh, millennials. Uh, we are actually uh, 80s babies. And um, this was a little tiny part of my childhood. Um, I, I remember watching this one with my brother quite a few times. It was just one of those films that you come across in the video store and you look at the the, the VHS box, you turn it around and things were just different at the time. There was, there was a reason for being interested in this. Um, I think to answer the question directly on why it's known, why it's not known, I think it's just known for Dom DeLuise. That's, that's pretty much it. Um, why it's not known, possibly the same reason, depending on the generation you're from. Yeah, it was, uh, it was not known to me as a child, I don't think, but, uh, I have seen the key art, the poster art before. It is rather striking. Really? Where where did you see the where'd you see it before? I don't I don't even know. It's just it had been out there. Maybe it was uh on Netflix or just like browsing somewhere else, or maybe subconsciously I saw it at Blockbuster in the nineties. I don't know. It just felt familiar. That's kind of my history with it, Chris told me uh, a tiny bit about his love for Munchie, so I decided to go along with it. <laughs> God, yeah. Um, you know, this is a great segue to jump into the gut reactions. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback off what Sean just said. Um, what, did, what did you just call it? My wonderful memories? No, I don't. <laughs> watching it again, I don't think so, but I, I have to say, um, you know, in, in our conversations about you know, old films and, and rewatches and things like that. You know, we have brought this one up in our in our chats and our conversations. And all I can say is this. I am 99% sure I have not seen this again since 
probably 1996. Uh, that's that's a conservative estimate there because at that time I was in sixth grade and that was probably the time that my brother and I stopped putting old VHS tapes that we tape stuff off of into the VCR to just watch them, just to watch something. That was the equivalent back then of having something on in the background. And this this movie was something we could sort of have on in the background and kind of continue watching it while we were doing homework or just hanging out because we couldn't go outside or something. But um, immediately, uh, I played it last night. I, I rewatched it last night. <clears throat> the music i'm shocked at how because uh, that's that's something i want to highlight when we get into the shot list i'm shocked at how familiar it was and i i have not seen it i don't even know if 96 is a fair estimate i haven't probably seen it since 94 you know mm. but the music just came right back to me i was i was shocked yeah that theme is an earworm isn't it uh oh, yeah uh my gut reaction it's terrible <laughs> yeah. yeah i i uh i mean i laughed at certain moments but i don't think they were particularly like uh intentionally funny moments um uh, and the whole thing is kind of a mess uh that's my gut reaction yeah yeah i think it's a fun mess um so yeah and and i guess to to sew that one up uh my gut reaction was why did I like this? <laughs> you know, that's it. You know, that's it. Like, why was it memorable? And I, I think I can comment on that. Um, yeah. You know, what to, was wrong with you? I don't know, but we can get into that uh, to to uh, sew one thing up. Um, the top build cast was Lonnie Anderson, uh, Jamie McKinnon, Andrew Stevens, Tom DeLuise, of course, R.T. or R.T. Johnson, um, and a nice little surprise uh, by uh, a young Jennifer Love Hewitt, uh, credited back then as Love Hewitt. First name Love, yeah. last name Hewitt. I'm I like that. What you thought about that? What did you think of seeing Jennifer Love Hewitt? Did you recognize her right off the bat? Um, I did not. I was, I wasn't sure. Um, you know, it had that kind of like cliched crush vision where the whole world slows down and and he sees the girl and i wasn't i was like is that is that love hewitt or is that just going to be some other actress who doesn't appear later on in the film so yeah i had my suspicions but i wasn't sure yeah um and you know going back every time i thought about this movie i always thought that the main kid uh jamie jamie mckinnon was the kid from um indian in the cupboard which was also another 90s, you know, child uh, classic from back then. Um, you know, child films or kid films back in the 90s were just they had a different energy with them and they were they just stayed with you. I mean, things weren't as saturated. We didn't have Netflix and all the crap that we have now. Uh, right. So but what's funny is, you know, doing the little tiny research for this, um, he's not. It wasn't him. <laughs> this kid, you know, looking at his filmography right now, I mean, he was in uh, Young and the Restless, General Hospital. Um, actually, according to his last film on on, um, on uh, IMDb was Munchie Strikes Back, which, as Sean said at the beginning, this is part of a trilogy. Obviously, this is the, um, as the entry online said, a loose sequel to the first one. Never saw the first one. Never saw the third one. Um, 
again, is this the most successful one? I don't know. Are we going to watch the third first one? I don't think so. But apparently the kid was in the third one, uh, but I didn't see him anywhere in the trailer. I don't know if you watched the trailer. I did not. Uh, maybe it's a cameo role. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe the the um, the evil stepfather. I called him mustache, sinister mustache. He was uh, he was in it and he went on to have, um, you know, a pretty long career. Dom DeLuise, of course, was I think it's safe to say before our time. Um, sure. Uh, we were I think we both know who he is and knew who he was back then. But he just it was just, you know, we were we were coming from a different we were a new generation and we, you know, we, we weren't raised with, you know, him and, and your um, Jackie Gleason's and, and comedians of that era. Right. Um, but uh, there were some interesting notes learning about Dom DeLuise. Uh, but for me, Miss Lonnie Anderson, that's all I'm going to say. Miss Lonnie Anderson. Comments noted. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I like to rewatch it. I don't know. Um, to, so, yeah. So let's, uh, you know, I think we can come back to gut reaction if we want to, unless you want to add anything before we jump into the shot list. I'm ready to roll. And let's get into the shot list. Um, our shots are our circle takes. Best quote. Does it hold up? Weird history. How would you reboot this? What would you do to make this better? Who used to be a theater actor? Nostalgia factor. Non-white casting. All right. Circle takes. When I was trying to answer this one, I, it was a little difficult and it kind of blended in with our second shot, which is called best quote. But I'll let you take away the first one if you have one. Uh, my circle take is the flying pizza scene. I mean, not only not only can Munchie move objects with his mind, he can make a pizza talk. <laughs> yeah. And if you yeah. notice. If you Arriba. notice Exactly. In the credits, the person who made the pizza talk is credited in there. It's a person. I think it's a, it's a, a person. It's a woman's name. But, um, you know, it, I don't think this is going to be visible. But if it ever becomes visible, the, the, the visual recording of this, look at what I have next to uh, our first shot. Maybe the flying pizza. Maybe the flying scene. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I think after hearing that pizza talk, I wouldn't want to eat the pizza. Uh, just because of the ethical concerns. But uh, I just love the absurdity of the fact that uh, we know that Munchie can teleport from an abandoned mine shaft all the way to the kid's house, but he chooses not to just teleport to the pizza kitchen and bring the pizza back. Instead, he's like, I'm going to fly it through the streets and I'm going to make the chef chase the pizza with a butcher's knife because he's just an agent of chaos. And that's why we love Munchie. I think that's a very astute description. <laughs> I think that that makes the most sense because I, I yeah, when I was like, what is he? You know, I mean, if we look at if we analyze this the way that we're doing it now, we I mean, I had a lot of questions. I got two pages of notes here of like, what's what is going on? And, you know, there was the film overall had potential, um, you know, to quote, you know, let's add this in here to quote uh, two reviews here in the this is all pulled from the web in the 1993 motion picture guide annual. Charles Cassidy Jr. described the film as a uh, Disney mank. You have to educate me, Sean. I don't know what a mank is. I don't know. Are we? 
uh, are we getting ahead of ourselves? Should we save this for weird history? Um, Should we hear your circle take first and then go- move on to best quote? I think I'm going to finish this, but okay. just this, and then I'm going to jump on what you said. Um, so... In the 1993 Motion Picture Guide Annual, whatever that is, Charles Cassidy Jr. described the film as a Disney mank. I don't know what that is. Um, Sean? I'm looking it up now. Oh, okay. Uh, that was... It's a... Uh, well, a, a monkway <laughs> is a person who has failed to live up to a specific expectation or ambition. So... Perhaps uh, what this reviewer meant is that uh, it it had the ambitions to be like a Disney family friendly film, but it didn't live up to those expectations. I'd have to agree. Um, uh, to continue the quote, um, what, as a Disney mank that was inoffensive as far as it goes, but hardly worth the talent involved. Uh, the review noted that Wynorski and R.J. Robertson often season their celluloid junk food with warped humor and happen to give gage some funny daydream fantasies but those abruptly cease and that chuck serino's music theme is a pleasant little tune that's the nearest to magic this production ever gets that last line about the music theme i couldn't agree more and it's it's funny that he mentioned that because that's one of the biggest questions i had going into this and something i wanted to to highlight was um who did the music and it just seemed to be renditions of the theme over and over. Like that's all the budget they had to pay the guy or the, or the girl to, to compose that. But I didn't see a credit for this person anywhere. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, it's Chuck, uh, Serino, I think. Yeah. Maybe I missed that, but that was something I was trying to, trying to uh, find, <clears throat> but yeah. And to- yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Serino worked with Wynorski, uh, on several movies and this was actually a uh a kind of reappropriated theme from an earlier film that wasn't featured heavily and the director Jim Wynorski asked Serino to kind of rearrange it and kind of flesh it out a little bit to become the the full-on uh munchie theme well good to know Good to know. I mean, I, I liked it. I, th- I thought it was kind of memorable. It was uh, I mean, it's, it's been stuck in my head for the last 24 hours. It, as soon as it started playing, like I said, nostalgia, it took me right back to me and my brother uh, watching it. And that was kind of the only thing about it. But um, <clears throat> yeah, to answer uh, Sean's question, um, I agree. I had that in there. Our next shot is best quote. Um, and I kind of mix those two up and I, I was going to say the best quote is my circle take, but my circle take is also the flying pizza. Uh, I mean, it was, this was hard to answer, but that that's what I'm going to give. I thought about the Jeep scene where the Jeep is trying to do an ET, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's the, cir- that's the circle take. That's the one. Like if I were going to show any scene of this movie to someone, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, um, uh, I don't know where we can ask questions about this, but uh, maybe something to circle back to what the hell was the opening about? I I mean, that was kind of cool to see the little the chase, the logistics that go into that. But we can save that for director and producers corner. But what? 
There's no origin explained. I don't know if you got it. I didn't get it. Who was the guy? Maybe it, they said loose sequel from the first one, but I don't know. I didn't see the first one. I, I don't think that was in there, but it's not related to the first one. Wow. Okay. Well, I would like to find out how you know that. Best quote. <laughs> Some of my favorite quote. Best quote is, uh, it's, I, I guess it's like a, it's a two parter. Um, uh, Hey, Schnooky Poo, how's bunny cakes? <laughs> at the um, at the principal uh, during the talent show, they um, there's a scene where uh, Munchie, uh, which if you think about it, kind of div- diverts from his goals or his plots, but maybe it, it adds to your comment about being an agent of chaos. He uh, is changing Gage's grades in the computer. And uh, I mean, wow, let's talk about the sexism that was going on in the principal's office, the misogyny in there. That was, that was an interesting little thing. Um, and he, he turns on the PA system in the principal's office because he calls the secretary in there and the secretary, uh, reluctantly goes in. Apparently they had an affair back in the day or that they were trying to quit. And then they got really colorful and carried away with their, you know, um, schnooky poo bunny cakes it's a kind of a funny scene but it gets transmitted to the entire school over the pa system and another teacher has to go in there and call them out on it um there's a a talent show going on later in the film and uh one of the kids i just i loved that there was a bit of there was a good bit of adult humor um you know which is something i didn't pay attention to as a kid watching kid movies you know they put something in there for the parents and they put stuff in there for the kids and i didn't catch it uh, no. but I, I thought it was hilarious the way that they they set it up they didn't put they didn't shoot the kids saying it they just right. shot a dark theater and it was hilarious yeah and, and uh most of wenorski's movies are like sexploitation or like erotic horror movies so it's, I'd uh, like to I'd like to highlight a particular title off of what you just said called "Busty Cops Go Hawaiian." Yeah, so yeah, they are very very varied <laughs> career. Yeah. that he has had. Um, here's my best quote: At dinner, uh, Kathy is there with Doctor Carlisle. And Dr. Carlisle says to her, 30 oh, yeah. something divorcees are a glut on today's market. What a guy. Um, what a guy. A hell of a guy. Um, you know, there's so much there's so much we could dive into there that we we can we can we can tear that apart. Uh, I, my biggest question is, Lonnie, what are you doing with him? You know, and I guess. To, to piggyback off your quote there, yeah, no, I agree with the uh, the objective comedy of it, uh, or maybe the uh, the sort of slanted comedy of that line. <laughs> but uh, because yeah, it, it 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 does it does add on to the type of character that he was supposed to play, and I think that I think this can absolutely go into our shot called um, uh, what, who used to be a theater actor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going with him, so we'll we'll circle back to that. Uh, anything you want to add to that before we move to the next one? Um, I just think it's interesting that the antagonist of this film is not Munchie, who is I don't know maybe the devil incarnate. The antagonist of this film is a cancer researcher. Oh. <laughs> 
Oh my god. <laughs> wow. So yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Hang on, Sean. You shook me. Allow me to unsh. Let me to settle for a second. Damn. <laughs> you're nah. You're right. I and I. I thought. Here I thought that it was gonna be some, you know, sitcom episode where you learn a lesson about, you know, this bad supposed character, this this nuisance, you know, this munchies kind of delivered as a nuisance. Uh, but wow, you were right. What a what a mindfuck that is. That's you hit it on the head, man. I got nothing for that. That's beautiful. That's <laughs> true. That's true. All right. And then here's my my runner up quote. Oh, OK. Ipso facto. Panso yeah. offo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dom. Oh, Dom. Dom is his own category on this one. Um, I just everything was like everything was uh, like, let me deliver a line. Ah! Everything had a laugh after it. Every single line, I, I got a little annoyed. No, I like that ipso facto. If I come across, uh, oh, I guess you know, I'll give you a runner up just to piggyback because I have one down here. Um, but I, I took this note more as a, um, a, a, a little area of good writing, you know, because right off the bat we get introduced to Gage and he is. Um, I wrote down Gage has balls. He's a smart ass like kid. You know, he's not this weak nerd trope that um, we're kind of used to seeing or that we think we're going to get when this comes on. And yeah. all of the kids had some elevated dialogue for that time. Uh, I, I can't find it in, in the notes, but oh, here it is. She wrote uh, it was it was Love Hewitt, not Jennifer. Love Hewitt, who said um, uh, uh the the bully oh my god i'm sorry sean the bully looks like you bro i'm sorry did you think that i thought that too the bully looks like you <laughs> and uh, i'm sorry you know um, i was i was that guy so you were yeah oh man we we should we should do a whole nother power i mean maybe one. you were a gauge but uh, i was uh Oh my god! Oh my god! I can't believe you said that because it's true. No, I, yeah, like I don't want to get too carried away, but uh, but to to piggyback and to make it concise here is, uh, uh, the the bully is saying something about people are known or judged by the company you keep, and then uh, Love Hewitt says, well, in that case, and then she just you know is this there was some really nice back and forth, some nice kind of smart assy. Um, comments by the by the performers here and I, I i'm gonna chop that up to decent writing for kids you know yeah 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 so all right so that was mine does it hold up not really mm, yeah i'm gonna oh well i think we should talk about the reasons uh my reason is my god like, i don't know if he was a puppet or a muppet and i don't know what the hell is the difference between each but he looked like a rejected intern created Chuck E. Cheese character. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, I think we were spoiled coming up with Jim Henson's creatures around the same time because Jim Henson's puppetry Muppets were just so damn good. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, even just like two years before this came out, we had the animatronic Ninja Turtles created by Jim Henson. Um, and those are just like, so lifelike still hold yeah, yeah. up for me. Like, and then this is just, 
a flapping mouth that doesn't sync up with anything. And we never see below his waist. The poster is a lie. Uh. It's funny that you say that. I, I'm, I am so with you there, especially on the flapping mouth. Because something I noticed was, gosh, you, you I mean, let's think about this. Well, no, we're going to say that for well, we're going to we're just going to combine because we're going to have to reorder these anyway. But like maybe producer director's corner. Why put all the money into the budget for these um, pyrotechnic scenes with these explosions and the car jumping off the hill? I mean, there, there was it, it obviously looks low budget, but there was some money. For those scenes, I mean, yeah. I don't know, maybe nineteen ninety two dollars. I'm not sure, but they the the to to sew up what I'm trying to piggyback off you was the lips. It, going off what you just said, the turtles. It it's almost as though they made the actual lips each part of the lip move to adjust to potential word syllables, whereas Munchie's, like you said, a flapping mouth, and that really interrupted things. Yeah. It's also important to note that Dom DeLuise wasn't on set. Uh, he's not, I mean, he's not a puppeteer. So who knows <laughs> also how much lines were rewritten, how much they tried to punch it up or how much they just let Dom DeLuise improvise. I don't know. Cause Dom DeLuise only recorded for one day. Well, I'd like to that. Let's save that one for, um, well, that's actually the next topic. I, I didn't know that. I'm really curious where you got that one from. Uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, there was there was it looks like there was a lot of um, the left doesn't know what the right is doing. And they had to f- sort of fix everything in post with nineteen ninety two dollars in technology. But at the same time, I mean, again, you got, like you got you got Lonnie Anderson, you got Dom DeLuise, you got. 1992 technology which we know was capable you know i mean i'm not sure i'm not sure where everything went i'm not sure where where it sort of went awry it wasn't a complete failure i mean the film is excuse me you know memorable to some people you know is this this cheap little thing but but yeah um wow not not to uh not to tangent off and have so many tabs open but uh, i agree with you does it hold up no sadly in a way I don't know why I say sad. Um, <laughs> I think the only thing that holds up is the little score, the little jingle. See, it's that's another interesting component because I can't for the life of me remember it. If I think about it, if I think, if I focus on, okay, Munchie score. No, I only think of... I don't even know what that is. Gremlins. What that? Gremlins. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Cut that out. <laughs> I was so... I, was, I thought you were actually trying to pull another piece from the film that was memorable, and I'm sitting no. here thinking, oh, how is that memorable? <laughs> um, That's just what comes to mind. I mean, this is a... Uh, this did come out of... Being a ripoff of Gremlins, that's what the 1987 film was. And they looked more like Gremlins in that yeah. film. Well, you know, interesting to note the difference in this loose sequel to Munchies, because I, I, I looked at the Munchies trailer just to like, that's about all I'm going to see. And even the artwork. Now, the artwork was good on the Munchies, uh, the first one. But um, it, it, you're right. I mean, and, and to to 
to add a, another piece to what you're saying, another quote from the very few reviews I found here. We're just going to throw this in here. Lawrence Cohn of Variety stated that the film was poor in comparison to its influence. Gremlins, as well as uh, as well that film imitators, critters and ghoulies. That, that sentence doesn't sound right. As well, that film imitators, critters and ghoulies, but that Wynorski's pacey direction and frequent sight gags kept things, keep things moving in entertaining fashion. Um, sorry for butchering the quote there, but you get the you get the the gist. So yeah, you're right. It came out around the same time. It seems that it was part of this little micro era of those type of creature features. You know, I mean, there was also that. Do you remember that one movie? Was it called Critters with the big fuzzy balls mm-hmm. with the huge with all the teeth? That yeah. Was, yeah, I was scared to watch that. I didn't watch that as a kid. I mean, and maybe the first Munchies was more in that vein, but uh, with this, like, the premise is not about, hey, there's weird creatures running around. That's, you know, it's more about uh, wishing for a different life and then, you know, be careful what you wish for, blah, blah, blah. That kind of, that's more what it's about than, like, Oh, there's mayhem because there are gremlins running around the streets of our city, you know? See, this is why um, this is why we're friends. This is why I love that you're saying this, because I feel like I'm being schooled right now. You're telling me, be careful what you wish for, like as far as what it's about. And I'm sitting here with with mental thought block about what the hell this thing was about. And I mean, that that's definitely one of the themes. Careful what you wish for. You know, I had a lot of thoughts of like, this is very much that whole genie in a bottle thing, Yeah, you know, but it's not presented as wishes. It's not presented as, you remember, Oh God, did you see Oh God? Uh, I think it was like 76 or 72. And then the sequel was Oh God, You Devil. No, I was, I was very interested in those, but uh, when I was a child, uh, but uh, my parents deemed them blasphemous. So I, I was not able to watch them. I, I think we should unpack that uh, whenever you feel like, Sean. Okay, that might be uh, the next movie. Oh, God. There you go. That's a good idea. Um, but yeah, it was <clears throat> it was very much that whole, you know, my life is tough. You know, poor me. I, I wish I could change things. Oh, my gosh. This little this MacGuffin of a of a creature thing entity comes out and is going to help me and. You know, but then I, I just feel like that was set up and yep. then forgotten about. Well, yeah, and I that's actually why I've kind of centered director's corner around that that very idea of like a failed premise, a failed okay. theme. Like it's kind of set up, but then it goes away just like the kids fantasy scenes go away. Yeah. Weird history. Weird history. Like I said earlier, it came out in only one theater, the Bell Forge 10 at Hickory Hollow. <laughs> Shout out to our hometown where we are both, uh, where we both were sort of both from. I was raised there, born in Texas, but I was raised in Nashville. Right. So it only showed in the one theater, not for very long. Uh, and then most people know it as a direct-to-video release, though it's Technically not direct video because it was in one theater. I don't know why it was in just that theater. I because watching it, it was filmed in L.A. There's no Winchell. Yeah. There are no Winchell's Donuts Mm-mm. in uh, 
in Tennessee that I know of. You know, and this is worth actually trying to, let's see here. It's worth trying to click the citate. You know, let let us put this disclaimer out there because I, I saw the same little interesting piece of research. Yeah. Um, and right next to it, it did say better source needed. So clicking on the source. Oh, the source apparently is from Munchy Blu-ray Review. Wow. Yeah, Blu-ray.com. Apparently, it's uh, it was maybe somewhere in the Blu-ray. Um, well, and what hmm. I th- what I found is a, it's a scanned newspaper ad from 1992. It appeared in the Tennessean <laughs> on May 14th, 1992. It's a full page ad that says, "Starts Friday at the Belfort's 10 at Hickory Hollow." We need to see each other's research. I want to see that. <laughs> you need to send me that. Um, wow, that is really cool. That That's really cool. Um, I've actually been to that theater back in the 90s. Um, maybe, maybe, Sean, maybe that's why I know the movie. You know, maybe it, we got to, I don't know. We got to find out what this unique, mysterious tie is to Tennessee. Yeah. Not like Dom DeLuise had... I guess a, a Nashville connection. We're going to have to, um, jury's still out on this one. We're going to have to come back to this one, but it is a very interesting uh, little piece of um, history. Yeah, maybe Roger Corman uh, owned that theater or something. I don't I don't know. I think that's, yeah, I, I think that's a good assumption. Um, uh, one thing I, re- I uh, found here was uh, apparently Munchie had an 18-day shooting schedule. Um the director, uh, Jim Wynorski, spoke about working with actress Jennifer Love Hewitt, that working with her led to him writing Little Miss Millions, specifically for Hewitt, who made her debut role in this film. Talking about Munchie, not Little Miss Millions. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> 18-day shooting schedule. I think we definitely need to save that one for the uh, director and producer's corners. Now, I, I was... I was interested in uh, doing a little bit of scholarly research. Oh, please! So I went. I went on JSTOR, uh, which is a, a common place where people might find uh, cited works or published articles uh, on specific material. And uh, there's only one result uh, that comes up when you type in Munchie and Winorski. <laughs> You know, if you have a film and it's uh, cited in the literature, usually it'll have the title and then it'll have the director's last name, at least in passing in there. So that's what I did. I typed Munchie and Wynorski in and there's only one result and it's a book about erotic thrillers and it just mentions he directed Munchie in passing. So there's nothing else about Munchie. There are no scholarly books written about Munchie. So we may be the preeminent scholars on Munchie. I hope we are. Uh, I did read a, a, a good number of reviews. Most of the reviews aged as badly as the film because most mm. of them are like, oh, it'll be a great time for children. And there are some buxom broads for the dads to spy on they always oh have something God. like that and i'm like what you saw that that was in a review 
in several reviews, but I want to highlight a particular review I saw from the Christian Movie Guide. Oh my goodness. Please, go on, Sean. And I quote... Overall, this movie seduces impressionable children into the world of a cult. The filmmakers establish a scenario with which youth will identify and then explore magic as a way to bring about justice. Of course, this technique is evil and forbidden by God. Shout out, Christian, whatever. Christian movie guide. Christian movie guide. Are they still around, Christian Movie Guide? They seem to be. It's It was given a negative four content review because they, they highlight language, violence, sex, and nudity. Those are like the, the big content warnings. But, of nudity? course, it also... It also centers around the, the occult, as they say. Oh, you know, oh, oh, not to open up another rabbit hole here, but I got to say there was, you know, we keep it sounds like we're sort of leaning towards a bit of a, you know, trashing this movie, maybe not intentionally, but just more like what it is, how it's delivered and what we get in the in the final package. But I will say the thing that piqued my interest the most were the most unanswered things, the uh, the origin yeah. <laughs> Even though it was funny and goofy, he pops up in the higher in the uh, ancient Egyptian um, uh, hieroglyphs in the in the professor's history book. Do you remember that? Yes. And he, he just pops up in history, you know, and I you know, I, they should have they should have done something with that to give us sometimes just knowing the facts of the character and the story are interesting enough to be able to say, Oh, yeah, well, you know, he can't fly because he's he's, you know, X, Y or Z or he can't do this because of that or because he was involved with the whatever. I I thought that that was pretty fascinating. And again, I'm going to harp on that opening scene. What was that about? And why did Gage find him in a mine? But the guy threw him down an endless pit. Remember, it said bottomless pit ahead. (laughs) Exactly. How did he get into the mine? Because we know that the box can't move on its own. Otherwise, he would have, like, you know, slowly shuffled the box towards civilization. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Gage kind of calls him out on his own shit when he says, well, if you have all these powers, how come you couldn't get out of the box? And I think Dom de or or Munchie just gives this uh, some just a side type answer that brushes it off and says some goofy line and just doesn't answer the question. I was waiting for the other shoe to drop the whole movie about this like evil sinister side of Munchie. And yep. I, th- I thought for sure when the professor's like, who did you meet yeah. w- w- that creature? And I thought the professor was about to like unveil like this terrible history and tell him to stay away from Munchie. But that doesn't happen. He's like, nope. oh, I'd love to meet him. Yeah. Let him know. Have, uh, let him know. I'd like to sit down and have a chat, have a coffee. And we don't even. Yeah, he, he ends up going on a research trip with him. We we don't know like what this 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 origin is about Munchie. And and I agree with you with this with this unresolved plot about what he. I mean, what were Munchie's intentions? Just to be rambunctious. Yeah, I think he's kind of a trickster type figure. Um, 
I don't know. Did he destroy the lost city of Armin Khan? Uh, I love that there's a direct flight to the lost city of Armin Khan. <laughs> that was that was like. Shout just, out to the ca- shout out to the cameos in this film. Did you catch the X Men poster? I did. I did make a note of that. Like early, that was one of my first notes watching. Yeah. Yeah. And the old. Uh, I, I think when you when you said the direct flight thing, it reminded me that there was a Delta Airlines old logo in there, an American Airlines classic logo, and I believe TWA was in there somewhere. But um, that was kind of that was kind of nice to see that nostalgia. So. Um, you know, I, I think it's worth noting, though, in our weird history shot that um, we I don't know about you, but I didn't see any notes about alternate casting. Did you? I listened to an interview with the director. That's on a podcast called The the Good, the Bad and the Sequel. <laughs> um, and that's where I learned that Deloise was only there for one day. I don't think he name dropped any other possible actors. I don't think so. And I think it's worth noting that, you know, when you do a film like that, you kind of bankroll a lot of your um, selling points around your your uh, main star or your your sort of special star. You know, Genie was Robin Williams. Munchie is Dom DeLuise. You know, you sort of like that. You're banking on that. You're putting your eggs in that basket. He didn't come back for the third they uh that if if you watch the third trailer you get all these antics and then you say and munchie voiced by and i don't remember who the actor was but it was some low-level comedian so um yeah i think i think at the end of the day dom dom is really what makes this movie any sort of special you know uh it's that we don't even know if the munchies talk in the first ones i i i just saw a bunch of squealing little animals in the trailer i don't know i just don't know how would you reboot this? You want to hear? You want to hear how I reboot this? <laughs> yeah, I think I know what you want to say or what you're gonna say. Okay, uh, lock in. Okay, so all right, let me get into my pitch mode here. Okay, all right, I was wrong, by the way. So I think there's a lot of potential with the Munchie character. Uh, he's kind of like Loki, who's very popular right now. Just had a successful television show, except uh, he's even more influential on human history and he's more powerful. Okay, so here's my pitch. Okay, it's a total reboot. Munchie's locked in his box, but not in a mine shaft. This is how we start. He's locked in his box, but he's in a museum. And he's not talking. He's quiet. He's waiting. For who? Just the right person. One day the museum opens and there's a hubbub like never before. People all in black and sunglasses walking around, talking into earpieces. Munchie sees someone through the sea of suits, the president's daughter. He convinces her to open the box, and wham, we've got Munchie in the White House. So like the original, Munchie's making all the president's kids' wishes come true. You know, she's got more confidence. She's more popular. But he's also wreaking havoc behind the scenes. He's exposing political scandals. He's pushing foreign tensions to their limits. And he's got the nuclear codes. That's right. This is a Munchie hellbent on bringing in an end to America as we know it, and the president's daughter needs to decide 
if her friendship with Munchie is worth the total annihilation of everything and everyone she knows and loves. <laughs> with liberty yeah. and justice for Munchie. <laughs> All right. Christopher's reaction. Um, I thought that you were going to answer me by saying I wouldn't. So, so that's what I thought you were going to say. Second of all, you had me at making all the president's children's dreams come true. I'm there. I'm I'm in for that. And oh, my God, like I, I God, I all like my answer pales in comparison to your well-prepared pitch, Sean. So dare I try to follow that up? Sure. With this preface, it's just not going to be that great um would i reboot it you know i think i would i think i would especially based off the energy of your pitch right there um i would reboot it because it's silly it's kind of dumb but there was opportunity to make it better silly or better dumb you know there was an opportunity there to make it a little bit more special in terms of oh he, you know, it's special because he was the only one that can make a pizza fly, you know, <laughs> something like that. Um, but my reboot would absolutely revolve more around um, the origins of the guy, you know, what he's capable of doing, you know, what his purpose is, what, what he wants to do. I mean, we just you know, answer more questions, basically. But we I'd say we we take some of the struggles that Gage was exhibiting in this one and, you know, in terms of like. You know, being in UK. I mean, look, let's 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 think about the highlights here. He is um, he's uh, his father left him, left the family, and they talk about that. They mention it. Um, you know, single mother. Uh, we we definitely need to amplify the Lonnie character more. Well, yeah, we um, don't know who his father is. Yeah, we his, don't. And his be, father could be the guy at the beginning of the movie. I was gonna say the exact same thing. You very well. Very much well could be, um, <clears throat> you know, get some. Um, I think the professor character had a lot more opportunity. I mean, hell, I, you know, I don't even know if I would call it a reboot. I think my version's a remake. Yours is probably a reboot. Um, my remake would just, you know, amplify or amplify some of these uh, some of these themes and, and these these uh, social issues. Uh, that that happened with kids, uh, you know, and this was a mature kid. Gage was a pretty mature kid with the way he thought in terms of, well, the dialogue that was sprinkled in there. Um, I feel like I want to go through notes, uh, but a lot of my notes are more like, um, you know, like I wrote this one down, the whole where to sit dilemma. We've all been there. That one hit really hard. If you're if you're from the public school system, which I don't know what private schools do, but if you went to public school, that was a thing. You know, you, you turn around. Where do I sit? I mean, it's like I was never a transfer kid, at least not like him. But that could be tough. You know, yeah. then again, kids in my school also never really acted like the Hollywood films. You know, nobody ever hit the whole Forrest Gump. Can't sit here, you know, <laughs> um, and, and, and we're bullies like that. Um, now, funny thing is, I wrote this note, Gage, um, Gage mentioning his own death. I, I wrote down narcissism question mark. I mean, hmm. the, the kid is a, you know, the, the kid's an interesting figure there. Like it'd be nice to kind of dig a little deeper. I think sadly this, this film was focused way more on this, the surface level. Let's show you what we can do 
Um, and we're just going to sprinkle in a little bit of plot and story here and no character development. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, again, I think mine's a bit more of a um, remake and yours is a reboot. What would make this better? What would make this better? Hmm. Oh, man. I was trying to go with gun to my head. Just to answer the question. I was going to say better directing. <laughs> uh, I don't, I mean, what do you think? You know, you, you have more of a director side. Is that, am I, you think, you think my answer is valid? Do you think that's uh ask me the question? Oh, well, I'm sorry, Sean. What, uh, what would make this better? Rewrites. Yes. I'm with you there. Um, I'm so yeah. Winorski. I mean, is is kind of famous for making a lot of films in very little time. So, I just don't think he really took the time or had the interest to make things better. Uh, like I noted, in particular, like the logic of Munchie's powers is just like all out of whack. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a movie, and not everything has to add up exactly. But like. I don't think he even like wrote down on a piece of paper like here are Munchie's powers and then kind of applied them, you know, as such throughout the script. It's just kind of like, oh, what do we need in the moment? Uh, we know Munchie can teleport, but uh, or we know he can make things fly, but he doesn't teleport someone chasing them in a car chase far away from them, you know? He doesn't make that guy fly away like the pizza flew towards them. There's just so many things that are like. Scattered. So scattered. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. At the, I'm, I'm, you know, in, in your your comment on Winorski is uh, ties in with what part of our, our weird history, which was, um, you know, shot in 18 days. But you know, we'll save that for the uh, producer and director's corner. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then I, I guess, you know, y- you want to answer this shot in a, you know, or at least I, I feel pressured to answer it in a, uh, you know, artistic highbrow sort of a way. But I mean, let's just let's also be honest. Uh, the fucking puppet the the muppet the character the the munchie himself yeah if they just i mean what about his hair i mean he's <laughs> like i think that they tried to um morph dom de louise into what he would look like as a puppet because it, you know dom de louise was a bit of a, a a heavier set person he wasn't fat or anything he was you know, he was he was a larger man and there's something I noticed on the cover. Did you see how his his pants, his little pleated pants with the uh, white tennis shoes? It's such a very like Rob Reiner, old man esque sort of silhouette. Yeah. And Munchie's this little character and he wears a leather like jacket and these blue pleated pants with white tennis shoes. Yeah, it looks like a greaser on the poster, yeah. but I don't think he ever wears that outfit in the movie. Again. And, uh, of course, he never flies on top of a pizza, which was incredibly disappointing. You wanted him to fly on the pizza. It's on the poster. I know. No, I, I, I you know, I, I just, yeah, we're, this, this actually ties in really good to our next shot. Um, but yeah, no, let's, you know, let's leave that one pretty simple. What would make this better? Uh, a better munchie. That's, that's what I'm going to say. A better munchie. Uh, and I agree with you. Rewrites.
Um, next shot, who used to be a theater actor? I put this in because, you know, it's kind of fun to, to analyze who's, uh, you know, who's overacting, you know, or who's maybe trained a little better. I, I was paying attention to a lot of um, Lonnie's performance on this one. You know, she she has an, a, a cool little history of being this. I mean, she was on WKRP in Cincinnati and that was yeah. like a big um, show of its time, uh, especially for the audience and the people around the history of that show. I mean, that was notable. And Lonnie, you know, Lonnie is um, um, I was paying attention to how she was playing this thing. And I think that there's a, a bit of suffering from some directing there. I saw some takes that were like, oh, well, yeah, you know, she's she's playing it as best as she can for this thing. Um, <clears throat> but uh, OK, yeah, not to not to get lost there. My opinion um, is the 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 mustache What's his? andrew stevens yeah i think he was definitely a theater actor it does uh it doesn't seem to note that on his wikipedia page well let's talk about the man that has some good credits though he has uh, a lot of was, good credits yeah boondock saints three thousand miles to graceland the whole nine yards the pledge with jack nicholson um yeah he's and he's steady still working. I mean, his most recent credit is something called Send It 2021. He, so, he has that thespian quality, yeah. but I think what I think what he delivered for this movie was perfect for this movie. You think so? I never felt like it was too much given the world, given what this is. Okay, I'll sit with you there when you said given the world, because I was going to respectfully disagree. And I I thought it was a bit of overacting at times. But, you know, that ties into our next our very next shot, which is um, age watched perspective. We should rename this shot, but um, we can call it the nostalgia factor, the nostalgia factor. Yeah. um, To to answer it and to, to jump on what you said there, you're right. He, um, you know, for that time um, and for, for like the energy and the, the ambiance of this silly movie, especially off of Dom DeLuise, it makes sense. He was uh, kind of working with what he had, I guess. I mean, I, I think I'd need to see some of his other performances to really answer that question clearly. I'd like to see him in this uh, um, The Pledge with Jack Nicholson. I don't remember him in there. Mm, me neither. Yeah, but he, but he actually did begin his career as a theater actor. Oh, he did. Yeah. Oh well, there we go. So there and you go. For shits and giggles, I wouldn't mind finding out if Lonnie started in the in the theatre. Sean and Christopher did. Yes, we yes we did. For those of you, for those of you who care, <laughs> uh, I like your little mini bio on IMDb: a bodacious, bedimpled, pert nosed. Well endowed knockout, Lonnie Anderson earned an assured television sex symbol pedestal during the late 1970s and 80s um, as sexy but smart Jennifer Marlowe on the sitcom WKRP in Cincinnati. Um, what is this quote from? Uh, IMDb, her little mini bio on there. Um, wow. Even that's definitely not written for 2021. Yeah. All eyes are peeled. Let's see. Trying to. Who helped to bring back the glossy platinum blonde allure of Marilyn Monroe, Jane Mansfield, and Amy Van Doren? Um, I don't see anything about theater for her. Um, and I think, 
Yeah, it says she started out in local commercial. Oh, it does say and theater shows. So maybe. Huh. Maybe. Yeah. But um, anywho, uh, yeah, I think <clears throat> this is definitely a shot that's more geared to like us trying to call and identify who we think used to be one based on our experiences. And, you know, because you and I have shared a, a casting experience where we, you know, where we thought the person was... Uh, was basically being too theater. And there's, there's just definitely a difference between your theater actor and your film actor. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And a little bit of genius when they're able to mix in with each one. Yeah. If you're able to switch and if you're able to, to speak to both languages, you know, playing, playing to the camera that's inches away from you versus playing to the rafters. Yeah. Big difference. Yeah. yeah. Dom, I think it's very safe to say he was. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, and uh, I think we could actually throw the professor in there, too. Um, what was his name? The, You're correct. Art Johnson. Yeah. Art Johnson. Yeah, I think he was, too. He definitely had the uh, theater thing going on. Yeah, he was so, looking uh, a little bit like Albert Einstein. I don't know if that was I intentional thing. or not. I, yeah. And just, uh, yeah. another thing is... Uh, because, you know, in the Corman verse, the Roger Corman verse, they love to rip things off. Uh, got a little bit of a Marty Doc Brown vibe. And I'm sure they were like, hey, what worked about that? Let's throw in an old professor to be this kid's only friend in this movie. Uh, that's a good observation. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think you I, I said the exact same thing about the uh, Albert Einstein thing. That's what I like. And then I. I noticed later because um, he's introduced to us with smoke on his face from working on some old Jeep with a United States Air Force logo on it that ends up being the the uh, proverbial E.T. flying bicycle when uh, <laughs> when they're flying through the stars trying to escape uh, uh, Stevenson or the the guy we got to find the character's name. The, the Dr. Carlisle, the, the Dr. Carlisle. Yeah, the cancer doctor who ended up being the antagonist, as Sean pointed out. Nostalgia factor. I think we can do this one pretty quick. Uh, wow, what a difference. Like I said at the beginning here, I, I really think the last time I saw this, probably with my brother, was no no later than 1996. Um, as just as a simple rewatch that we just had on tape and we put it on for the hell of it. Um, but even then, let's say I did see it last in 1996, and I obviously saw it first in 92. I didn't notice how tough it was to watch back then than I do now. Um, But there is a little bit of light magic that kind of worked for this thing for what it was. And if you if you look at the the artwork on the Wikipedia page, it's part of this um, FHE release. This I don't know if they were a studio or an organization that did these family home entertainment uh yeah or family entertainment this family home entertainment uh yeah family home new concord family entertainment oh wait no it just says family entertainment maybe i'm thinking of something else yeah anywho i don't know family entertainment with the some of the wisecracks in this i don't know does it even have a rating it was pg yeah Oh, it did. Okay. Well, and I, I was actually that. curious because if you look at the 
the poster of the original film, Munchies, it does not look like a children's movie from the poster art of that. Uh, so I was, I was wondering, you know, going through everything, hey, is that like a rated R movie? And they decided to, to make a kid spin off of it. Yeah, because uh, he's looking up a skirt. He's underneath a skirt. Right, it's a little gremlin-like creature looking up a skirt, uh, yeah. which does not read child's film to me. But that one's actually PG as well, so I don't know. Because it yeah, is, it's only- it's very rare to have a series where uh, you know there's like a children's movie and then also an adult movie. Spy Kids is the only one I can think of. Uh, yeah, Machete, the Machete movies are a spinoff of the Spy Kids movies, and uh, the Danny Trejo ones. Yeah. I had no idea. He plays um, he plays that character uh, in the Spy Kid movies. Well, that's an interesting little crossover world of a universe. There, that's that's kid movies that have that end up being adult sequels or something. Uh, well, that's interesting, right? So that's uh, why I was curious if this was the other way around, but nope. Yeah, it'd be interesting to get Jim's take on that and and just see where the inspiration came to, like option this thing or or you know get the rights or you know be clear to make a sequel i mean we we got to talk to the concord people (laughs) um so yeah age watch perspective um i think this kind of ties into our our gut reactions at the very beginning it was you know i don't i don't actually i don't want to say it was tough to get through it had me going you know i was engaged i was watching it It, there wasn't really any moment where i just rolled my eyes and just didn't want to watch it anymore um, but it's 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 tough in terms of the visuals. I noticed that the transfer on the uh, I rented it from Amazon. The HD transfer is really nice. looks looks good. Um, you know, so it's kind of it has the aesthetic going for it. Um, yeah, so that that's it for me. It was yeah, definitely different age watch perspective. Yeah. And the only thing that stuck out was the music. Speaking of the transfer. Uh... I was curious to see, I wanted to see if there was a director's commentary because I wanted to listen to it if possible. Oh my and, uh, Is there? There is not, but, and uh, I don't know if this is real or not. I'm sending it to you now. Uh, there's an Amazon review on the Blu-ray that says beautiful restored version and the review is written by James A. Uh, Warnowski. <laughs> and it says, as the director of this picture, I was quite pleased with the visual upgrade from Shout Factory. <laughs> how, how did you send that to me? It's a screenshot uh, that I sent over text. Oh, okay. So I, I don't know to... if... I'd like to think that this is... I mean, what other director would comment on the, on the Amazon uh, of their product and say, I was qu- quite pleased with the visual upgrade? God. Oh, oh, wow. I'm looking at the clip. I remember when the Showtimes used to look like that. Magical, mystical munchie. My goodness. You know what? Lonnie was top build, though. Let's 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 give it that. True. Lonnie, Lonnie getting the top build. Um, and I'm looking at this. uh <laughs> Beautiful restored vision. The Winorski is spelled differently. I know it's spelled wrong. Yeah, so. Yeah. 
Great movie. So Pearl Wallace underneath said great movie. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you know, I mean, they don't make the kid ones like this anymore, though. So we, we do have to kind of comment on the nostalgia there. But uh, that's, uh, you know, that's cool. Yeah, I do agree. I'd like to see him on the damn pizza. Um, put so, put him on but, the pizza, maybe in the reboot. Uh, yeah. Obviously, my nostalgia factor is nil. Uh, I watched it yesterday at age 32, so. <laughs> okay. Um, but when I think about it today, I do have a fondness for it, so. Um, hey, I'll, I'll drink to that. This one's a doozy. And you know what? It, it It's a good shot to have in this film because as our friend, as our friend would, would say, black alert. And I saw none. I saw, I mean, maybe in the classroom, some of the kids may have been diverse, but this was a full white cast, correct? I think mostly uh, might have seen a black actor in the party scene. Hmm. But no lines. I don't no think lines. anyone. Of, of course, no lines. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody of color had lines in this. And, um, you know, so I guess to, to not get too loose on the shot and get pretty, you know, to answer the the question, who, who would we cast back to our reboot remake? Um, you know, <laughs> Munchie was a bit off white, though. <laughs> Let's say that Munchie had an interesting and I think Munchie's skin changed in a few different shots. I don't know how many Munchie puppets they had. It'd be interesting to get to, to get answers to those questions. So and hey, the first place Munchie was featured was uh, this ancient Egyptian hieroglyph. You know, um, so, you know, he's got black hair. Maybe yeah. he comes from. Uh, Maybe he's of a of a different ethnicity. Yeah, I don't know. it's just light skin. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, non-white casting. I mean, uh, how should we answer this? Currently or back then? Um, I think we could do a little bit of. I say for back then, and I would I would propose that we start with the casting of Munchie first. Because that's okay. that's that's the money <laughs> for back then at the time. Um, and let's line this up with where it was released in terms of, I guess, quality or, you know, um, straight to one theater. <laughs> um, who was a B actor that could have done this? Who wasn't white back then? Damn, I should have prepared a little better for this because I want to go first. I want to jump in and just go to Eddie Murphy for Munchie's voice. But um they couldn't afford him, obviously, for this kind of budget. So I would say you answer the question and I'll pop one into my head. Um, here's here's who I am putting forward in 1992 because I know this guy can do it. I know oh, I, I know one. he's done Creatures. Mm -hmm. John Leguizamo. <laughs> and he's a comedian. He could riff. He could riff all day long. You know what? You're right. He does. I think the essence and energy of the character he plays in the pest is what they wanted Munchie to be. Yeah. Um, it's funny. You scared me for a second when you said John, because my alternative actor is also named John, but it's John Witherspoon. 
Um, I think he would have been good as a uh, as a munchie voice. You know, it would have been I don't know if it would have been odd casting, but I'm trying to think of these sort of lower level or maybe up and coming actors at the time that could have done this. For a quick moment, I thought Whoopi Goldberg, but then I was like, nah, yeah. I don't know about that. Maybe one of um, the In Living Color performers, uh, Tommy one of the Davidson. Wayans. Yeah, one of the What's Good, one of the Wayans, or David Allen Greer. David Allen Greer, David a Allen classic. Would have been, that would have been kind of funny. It would have been good. David Allen Greer is munchy. Maybe. Maybe. You know, 92... We're talking, I don't know if Boomerang was 93 or 92, but Martin Lawrence was still sort of coming up. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, what about the rest of the cast? This is where it's a little trickier for me, because if we keep it in that time period, like mm-hmm. child actors of color, mm. aside from maybe like the Cosby show, or the fam- kids from the Mighty Ducks. Family Matters, Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Like, there just weren't that many out there on screen that we could kind of pick out, which is unfortunate, and, but right. shitty Right, and you time. said it on screen. Kids that were making films. Right. Yeah, seeing that the majority of them were on TV. Uh, Macaulay was obviously all over the place, but damn, this is sadly tough. Uh, I think our best bet is going to be grabbing one of the kids one of the diverse kids from the Sandlot or um, was the one I just said, the Mighty Ducks Mighty Ducks. But even those yeah. were like a couple years after this. Yeah, right? and they weren't... <sighs> I don't know if they were strong enough to hold. Yeah, yeah they, I think they had potential to carry a film, definitely. You could have done something with those kids back then. I'm sorry to say, but those kids back then are better than the kids now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not like the kid who plays Gage really carries the film. True, true. Although it centers them like all around him. What about um, Lonnie, Lonnie's character, and uh, Dr. Carlisle's character? Hmm. It's difficult. It is, it is. I was jumping to Robin Gibbons for Lonnie's character. <laughs> uh, uh, I could also see. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah, this is a tough one. You know, I uh, also think David Allen Greer would have been great. As Dr. Carlisle. Yes. I think he can do that's... the he can do the snootiness well too. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Why not do that and keep the family um integrated <laughs> or a biracial? We got Lonnie and David Allen Greer, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh Yeah, something for mi- everybody. Yeah, with a mixed child from the Mighty Ducks. What about Goldberg? What if it was Goldberg? Goldberg. <laughs> from the Mighty Ducks, yeah. Uh oh, I got another one on uh doesn't have to doesn't have to necessarily be non-white, but another silly uh character probably would have been Christopher Lloyd as the uh as the uh Mr. Carlisle. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I I mean wow. it's sad, like I can't think of any like Latinx child actors from that time that were on like TV and movies, you know? Um, yeah, this is a tough one. Uh, anything final to say on that? Yeah, I think they could have, I think they could have done better with Dom. It, it sounded like he just kind of phoned it in a little bit here and there. Couldn't agree more. It sounds like he, they just, he just gave him a bunch of samples, you know, and then there you go. Use, use whatever you want out of this.
producer's corner. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're saving these, uh, these are our, our closing, you know, talking points because, um, you know, in, in the grand scheme of it all, Sean's, um, more of a director and more of a producer. Um, you know, I just, I'd like to comment on, especially after finding out that one note that this was shot in 18 days, I can believe it, but what's hard to believe with that and what's probably quite a bit daunting is that this was shot in 18 days in 1992. As a producer, from the producer's perspective, I mean, that must have been a tight production. Uh, I think that um, you can you can visually see where the corners were cut uh, everything from the SFX on the puppet. You know, funny, I'd like to also note that the special effects of Munchie himself were awful and paled in comparison to something so minor. Just give me a, a yes or no if you agree. When Munchie disappears, you see the equivalent of this, like in Star Trek, when they energize, you see these little gold specks. Those gold specks of him disappearing looked so much more realistic in watching the film than any of his parlor tricks. Yeah, for sure. So my thing is to add on to producer's corner. Why why, why did they put the money in the disappearing versus the. Like Munchie, I mean, my goodness, you know, and, and I was I was looking forward to to seeing the trailer for Munchie Strikes Back, which I believe is the third sequel, you know, wondering if like usually with that, you're going to you're going to, you know, put more money into the into something to make the puppet look better. But no, nope, it looks like the same damn puppet. I think they changed his hair a little bit, um, you know, from a producer's perspective. I am impressed that this was done in 18 days. I'll say that I, I would have given it a month. minimum to maximum and um i would have been quite a bit more hands-on with uh again we're you know we're speaking speculatively we don't we don't we didn't get any interviews with the producers we don't know like what they were actually doing how they were collaborating on this thing but i would have been uh quite a bit more of a creative producer and try to collaborate with the directors and the writers to go off of something that sean said and you know pay ten more attention to the dialogue more attention to the to the story structure this thing started with a, an interesting car chase that went nowhere i mean it went to a bottomless pit that's where munchie ended up and then i don't even think it says how many years later you know, we're, we arrive with gauge. Um, I would say it's safe to say from the seventies to the eighties. Actually, no, I wrote it down right here. Car chase, 1970. Yeah. So boom. And we have to assume that this was in the present day. 92. So Munchie has been trapped for a little over uh, two decades. You know, I, I don't understand some connections to some visuals like the, the, I called it the teeth toy um, at the very opening. There's a bunch of little, it's a funny little toy. I've seen it like my whole life, but I don't know what it's called. I don't know where it came from. It, w- it made a famous appearance in um, Batman 89. Yeah. When, when he, you wouldn't need a guy with glasses, would you? And then he spits out his teeth, you know, just, I guess it's an old magician's tool. I don't know what you call them. But, uh, wind like, up understand. chattering teeth, I guess. Wind up chattering teeth. teeth. Yeah. Yeah. What are those? Why do they bite into the title? What you know, with Munchie, you know what? I think that Munchie is supposed to symbolize how much he eats. 
because he falls asleep after eating and he makes pizzas fly and he apparently likes to eat. So I I don't know. Maybe that's we what don't it is. see him eating that much, though. Fair. I think that they got producers corner. I think they got lucky with uh, some casting, you know, getting a young Jennifer Love Hewitt or Love Hewitt in this film. Um, Alani Anderson, a nice eccentric performance by the professor and by um, uh, Mr. Carlisle. Uh, and even the child actor wasn't that bad. You know, I, I put a little note here that I thought the bully and his 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 bebop and rock steady side kick were brothers. Like, I think that they they look like they could have been brothers of the actors. Um, the uh, they could have dug deeper with some of the um mental games that gage was sort of playing with himself Uh, i would have liked to see a little bit more of that i would have done something from the producer's perspective to make that um more of like a central lesson um in in the film um and to kind of uh yeah to kind of finalize this and finish it off i would say I would have said um, reduce some of the silly gags um, to salvage this picture the way it is, I guess. And um, paid more attention to, um, you know, to what they were really doing um, while they were making this. So, yeah, but I would have been more boots on the ground producer for this sort of thing. And um, you would have been you would have been army munchie. That would have been army munchie. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, from, my, I guess, a logistical um, perspective and to, to cap this off, um, I'm pretty impressed. This thing was shot in 18 days um, and they got lucky with the cast and uh, it's got some issues. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's the producer's corner. All right. So let's step into the director's corner. What I'm going to talk about kind of crosses into uh, writer territory as well, but. Wynarski is a writer-director, so I'll speak to it. I'm really interested in character arcs uh, as they relate to expressing a theme in a movie. And I just didn't see that here. Uh, We discussed earlier, uh, Munchie says something like, be careful what you wish for. But then there's no like terrible consequence to that. Everything that Gage wishes for happens, and then he's fine. Even when he removes himself, he chooses to remove himself from Munchie, and then Munchie just shows up in his house right away, and he's fine with it. He's he, There's no, like, fallout of, like... This happens in movies a lot, where, like, two characters have a little bit of a breakup, and then they come back later on and learn to resolve their differences or whatever. But that doesn't happen... I was thinking a lot about the comparable movie for me was Home Alone. You have Kevin McAllister, Macaulay Culkin, who at the start of the film wishes that his family will disappear, that he that he would never have a family. And then his wish does come true. He's left home alone and he enjoys it for a while. But over time, he starts to learn the value of having his family there. Uh, he starts to 
become lonely, and then at the end he learns to make amends with his family. You don't have any character learning anything in this. It's just a dead end. Um, a bottomless pit. It's a bottomless pit. Just like Muncie was thrown off into, but somehow ended up uh, in a mineshaft. So I, I know this is a lot to ask for from a movie from the Corman verse, but I think they could have done better. Uh, I think I think they could have made Munchie the the antagonist very easily, maybe even a stealth antagonist where Munchie eventually takes things too far. Uh, but that didn't happen. Like everything that Gage wished for turned out fine. So there isn't really a character arc for me. Moving on to cinematography, I wasn't really impressed. There was some like nice moving camera work that that felt like it was maybe like a Spielberg ripoff, you know, like a push in on a character. Uh, but other than that, it was it was it was okay. The car chase I thought at the end of the movie was done pretty well. I I knew the geography of the scene pretty well. I knew where everyone was. It was less confusing than like a Michael Bay car chase scene where like the camera's just all over the place. You don't know if the car is behind the other car or in front of the other car. Michael Bay just wants if, the cool shots. But if I may, go ahead. I would just like to say I agree uh, tremendously. You're, you're, you're pointing out things I wanted to mention. And I think that I unfairly paid attention to what I would do different or what I would change or fix instead of objectively praising what was you know kind of decent and good and i i agree the the way that they shot the car scene at the beginning and the end it's like you guys came in pretty strong right yeah yeah and uh speak yeah speaking of that car chase at the beginning we don't we don't know why that's happening if this uh if this guy's just trying to get rid of munchie why didn't he dump munchie off the side of the road earlier yeah, and what lesson did he learn to make him want to get rid of Munchie? You know, there, like you said, there's no, there's no um, waterfall of of consequences, right? You know, yeah, yeah. It's like it so, almost would have been, I don't know, maybe it almost would have been better if, if Gage's mom was mad at him for what happened with the, uh, the doctor character, but instead she kind of puts her foot down and is just like. No, this doctor's horrible. Uh, you're right, Gage, and then kind of gets rid of the doctor from her life. So it's it's not like there's even tension there. Where okay, the mom's like, I really was into him. He was the only guy who was gonna marry me, and you ruined mm -hmm. it. You know, I was waiting for mm -hmm. something like that to happen, and nope. You know, there's no moment where Gage apologizes to his mom. Or says I took things too far. There's nothing like that, and there's no, you know, I I think a lot about like okay, a character wants something versus what does the character need. So a lot of times a mm -hmm. character wants to have something like Kevin McAllister wants to be left alone. He wants to live his own life, but what he needs is to like understand how much uh he needs his family right that's what he needs yeah. so this movie just kind of uh 
if you if you've ever seen it and you felt empty and dead inside at the end, that's why. <laughs> All right, <laughs> empty and dead inside. Yeah, you you brought something interesting up with Lonnie's character. Uh, you know, they, she's actually quite a bit stronger than than um, they just didn't highlight how strong she was. You know, she she didn't take the bullshit from him about the line that you said that that best quote <laughs> the. Um, 30 something single 30 something with a kid and you know uh, i think that uh, to answer the question um he well not, what, that doesn't make sense to answer the question she knew she knew that she knew what she was working with she knew that he was lucky to be with her yeah and um she treated that well but yeah there was a bit of a lack of like affection relationship with her own son um and it, it kind of did this weird, like up and down sort of thing. You know, we, we think she's this character who is sort of desperate to have a man in her life because that is what society sort of conditioned women at the time to think that they needed was a man or a father figure. And then the line even comes in on the nose with him telling her outside the car he needs a male role model. He's just like the worst one. Um, <laughs> and then when he takes her to dinner, she does the very like respectful non sub non um you know like she didn't do the thing where oh i need to like let him down easy i need to be nice to him yeah. no, she like put her foot down and said hey i think we should just be friends and let's keep our friendship you know she did that in a very strong respectful simple way with like dignity um and that's commendable right there i mean granted he shot her down quick with the uh with the line but then she comes right back and says take me home right now exactly so they just didn't highlight the right lonnie moments of her character yeah and they didn't like think about it in terms of how does it affect the main character's journey how does it affect gage's journey uh how do you think it affected munchie's journey (laughs) munchie is just on a whole other trip uh I don't know. I think I think they wanted I bet they wanted him to be like this pothead esque type character and then this the Concord Entertainment or whatever was like, no, this is gonna be a family movie, cut all of that out. <laughs> That's interesting because I read a review that kind of notes like, oh, the casting of the Munchie character has changed, and they said in the original movie that it it had more of a Cheech Marin type voice. <laughs> so oh, that, that would have, there you go. That's it, dude. That is it. Let's leave it there. You said it. Let's go right back to the shot of non-white casting. Cheech Marin of Cheech and Chong fame would have been perfect. Uh, I'd like to uh, give a little shout out to him because he did voice the, the family dog in Married with Children. He was a uh, buck. He played the voice of Buck for a while, so he would have been a great alternative. I have one final thought. It's kind of an open-ended question for for us to ponder as we close out and into the beyond. We talked about how Gage's fantasies stop after meeting Munchie, the little fantasy sequences. Uh, so what I want to put forward is... Maybe the whole rest of the film is a fantasy sequence. I'm going to let you leave that one in in the bottomless pit. Because I got nothing for that. I don't know. 
We'd have to read the other drafts of the script if he even got to other drafts. I don't think he did. Yeah, I think it's I think it's giving him too much credit. But that's that's one way I want to interpret the movie. I like it. I like it. I'll give it to you. Um, it it is creates and it creates a challenge, a mental challenge there as a viewer. I like it. Um, I just I have I don't know. <laughs> Questionable questions. It's where we ask each other a question. We don't know what the question is going to be. Uh, I got my question for you. Uh, you may go first, or if you'd like, I will go first. Uh, you can go first. I'm afraid that you have the same question as me, but we'll see. Oh, okay. That'd be interesting. Here's my question. Um, which munchie do you like most? <laughs> uh, Army munchie, Shakespeare munchie, leather jacket munchie, tuxedo munchie, safari munchie, or captain munchie? <laughs> and I think there's probably more munchies. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was my question. I have a soft spot for Shakespeare munchie because I'm I'm a nerd who's very interested in uh, the. Uh, I guess the academic question of who really wrote Shakespeare's plays. So uh, the fact that Munchie wrote all of them uh, was pretty hilarious to me. So, yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Um, my runner up winner is probably Army Munchie because that just looked hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then if I have to give a third, it's going to be Captain Munchie on the plane when he flies the plane. Yeah, um, Captain so- Munchie. That's a good segue into my question, actually. <laughs> OK, OK, OK. We know that Munchie can do almost anything. He can fly a plane. He invented the automobile. Um, And we also know that he was always kind of like present around the fall of countless civilizations throughout throughout history. Empires. So here's my final question. Did Munchie do 9-11? Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, Sean with the comedy points. I think these are dark comedy points. Oh, my God. I don't know what to say, Sean. I, I, oh, God. I think in the munchy version where we find out he's evil person and kind of like, you know, kind of a play on, oh, God, you devil, the sequel to, oh, sequel, sequel, the sequel to, oh, God. He, they find out. We find out he's the devil. Um, yeah, I, they maybe. Yeah, maybe Munchie. Uh, God, that that's a that that's that is controversial, Sean. Uh, I hope I know I know I know how to answer the question. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, that's. I hope not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But uh yeah, we're gonna leave it there. What do you think? I think so. This has been Circle Takes. See you on the next one. <laughs>